Let's be honest, parenting can be messy and hard, but also so rewarding. In this podcast, we'll share all the ups and downs of parenthood, as well as share some of our favorite tips and tricks for parenting using both our experiences and expertise from our professional lives as a speech and language pathologist and teacher, but also our everyday lives as moms just trying to balance it all. We're so glad you could join us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of And Then We Had Kids. And if you have listened to previous episodes, we really have kind of pulled topics from our work experience and obviously tying that into raising children ourselves. But this week, we're going to do a little more reflecting and going from having no kids to one to two and then possibly even more, who knows what the future holds. But again, I'm your host, one of the hosts, I should say, I'm Jenny. And I'm Sheena, and I am super excited to introduce our very first guest on our podcast. All right. Um, Yay. So I am happy to introduce Jasmine Sasek. Jasmine is a birth doula, childbirth educator trained in hypnobirthing and founder of The Birth Zone, which is a boutique doula agency covering the Chicago and Milwaukee areas. And she's also the host of the podcast by the same name, The Birth Zone. And Jasmine is also a Reiki practitioner with Family Tree Holistic, which is located in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. So welcome, Jasmine. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I was, um, I have been listening to all of your other episodes, and I love that you two just really keep it real and um, really share some of the some of the realities of parenting. I think we need to all hear more of that. So I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, thank yeah, you for joining are, us. Yeah, we're so grateful. And and we have you not only for your wonderful expertise and what you do and what Sheena had just listed, those amazing skill sets that you have, but being someone that Sheena like grew up with and knows really well, she said that you have more than two kids. You have <laughs> six, right? Is that yes. correct? I, when, I, when we're talking about who do we know who could have some really good insight into juggling a life of mom and who knows more really than someone who is juggling six kids. Um, so it's great to also to have your perspective on that. Um, I mean, going from one to two to all the way up to six is quite incredible. So again, thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah. My husband and I, um, had two kids that I gave birth to, um, they're 11 and 13 now. And then we went on to do foster care. So we've fostered about 20 different children through the state foster care system and then completed several adoptions. So we've had as many as eight kids at a time. I think that only lasted about a week. We had a couple of temporary kids, right? (laughs) Um, And now, now in our household, we, in our household, we have five kids with living with us right now, um, all permanent you know, adopted by or biological members of our family. And then, so I've, I've learned to use the term in our household because we, you know, have so many um, previous kids or kids who are in placements elsewhere that are still part of our family, but not necessarily living under our roof full time. So um, yeah, five kids now from the youngest is four years old and the oldest, I've got two 13 year olds. So um, we have, and, and one of the things that really resonates again with with your style and your podcast for me is that um, through foster care, we have been parenting a lot of those children who do go to the therapeutic day schools and mm-hmm. need a lot of the extra supports that you both provide professionally. So it's sort of seeing the flip side of that. And it's really been yeah. validating to hear that it is difficult for all of you as well. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that what an incredible journey. What a great story. Um, has that always been, I'm going to kind of jump in just getting to know you a little bit more, Jasmine, um, has that always kind of been like what you and your husband had envisioned or talked about, or how did you get to all of a sudden have like, you have two kids your own and then you're fostering uh, that, that whole yeah. world is, is very new to me. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that, that came about. I grew up with several extended family members who were adopted, both um, sort of younger generation and cousin, or sorry, older generation um, and cousins. And so while we didn't have adoption in my direct household, it was still mm-hmm. part of our extended family. So it was always something that was um, kind of on in my, in my line of vision, something I always thought about yeah. doing. And I talked with my husband about that before we were even married. Um, and then 
when we we got married, I always knew I, you know, I'm a birth doula. Like I was always fascinated with pregnancy and labor. I knew that I wanted to have that experience. Um, yeah. So we decided that we would do that first and then go through adoption. And so once we did that, we just looked at, you know, you've got several different modes of adoption. There's private, domestic adoption, there's international adoption. And it was actually my husband who suggested that we do foster care, which was never something mm. I had considered doing. I thought I would really do adoption. Yeah. Um, but he suggested that. And I said, you know, the more we learned about it, the more it really resonated with us. Um, and so we tried it out and just kept uh, sticking with it, I guess. <laughs> For our listeners that don't know, um, can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly a doula is and how they support um, new families? Yeah, I know you guys are helpful. So my agency really specializes in birth doulas and labor doulas. So we provide pregnancy and labor support. And then there's also something um, really adjacent to that called postpartum doulas, which come in and help once you are home with your new baby and, and either one, both kinds of doulas, basically our job is to make your life easier and better. Um, and especially in the, my line of work, we really specialize in making your whole birth experience better. So um, what that really looks like is a lot of unbiased, um, non-judgmental support, because we're all so inundated with sort of judgmental support, especially during pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And it's really nice to have somebody who's not a sister or a mom or a best friend that you can go to and say, I don't want to hear your experience with this. I want to know without going down the Google rabbit hole, what does the evidence say? Yeah. What are best practices? Um, if their gut is telling them something different than perhaps what their medical provider is recommending, we discuss what's going on there and what other alternatives might be available for them that might help meet, you know, what their make their medical provider happy and feel safe and secure, but also help them feel um, in their gut like they're doing the right thing for them and their baby. So it's a lot of support throughout pregnancy that way. And then during labor, we actually come and provide in-person support. So it's, especially if it's a couple, we help the um, partner figure out what the heck their laboring <laughs> partner <laughs> They're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I've never seen them act this way. I thought I'd have this and I don't. So we're there kind of whispering in their ear, hey, try massaging her this way or try getting her this or that so that mm-hmm. they can look like a rock star. Um, yeah. Or if it's a single parent, we're there for them to provide all that support. So it's a lot of massages and bringing some special essential oils that, you know, help either reduce nausea when you're vomiting or mm-hmm. um, help reduce oh, your, yeah. you know, your pain sensors. Um, so we've got all kinds of little tips and tools, lots of different movements and positions we try depending on how labor's going, if it seems like things are stuck a little bit. We provide for support for every single kind of birth there is, including C-sections and home births and hospital births and midwives and OBs and everything in between. So anything you can imagine. Um, there's sometimes this misbelief. I still hear a lot of people know what know of doulas now, but yeah. they still have this thing right. that, like, yeah, that you have to be like a home birth or you have to be have a midwife to work with a doula. Um, so I like everybody to know that the majority of our births we do, um, you know, at a hospital with an OB. I would, a lot of our clients get epidurals. Um, We support whatever you want and try to make the most of your experience, whatever that might be for you. And just hope that you are, have a a smile on your face at the end. (laughs) I love that. Um, So kind of jumping into today's topic, you know, I think we really wanted to focus on what were, what were things that you wish you knew before coming a parent or what advice or tips and tricks can we share with, um, new parents. Um, but we also always like to start with just, you know, like a funny story or a crazy story of what our kids have recently done. Um, and since, you know, you're our first guest, I was hoping you potentially had a funny story to share with our audience, um, of your stuff. I, you know, I personally follow Jasmine on social media. And so I enjoy, um, the stories you share about your family. Um, but any, like what has happened in your household this week? Sure. Okay. Well, so Sheena, you know, I'm a bit of a storyteller, so stick with me. Cause this is a little bit of a winding story, but I swear to you, it comes full circle. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And this just happened tonight, like just within the last hour, because we, as you both know, we pushed back our recording time just a little bit. So after dinner, I was like, oh, I'm going to run over to our local library quickly. Um, a few days ago, I stumbled on this new documentary called Psalm. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but no. I think it's on Hulu and it's about like wine tasting and wine making. And I happen to love wine. So I just really love this documentary. And <laughs> I'm drinking my wine while, re- while yeah, we record. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I thought, you know, I think as moms, like we put ourselves on the back burner, obviously. Right. And so mm-hmm. I watched this documentary and I was like, well, maybe this will be a new hobby for me. Like, you know, hobbies are the first things to go when we're moms. We're either like hustling or yes. we're momming 110% of the time. So I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the library and get out some books about like how wine is made or the history of wine. I don't care what it's about, just something about wine. So I was really proud of myself. I support like, that already. That's a great hobby. Read. Right? Yeah. yeah. As long as I'm going <laughs> to drink wine, I might as well Reading know a little bit about wine. That. Right. Yeah. So, so I thought, okay, I'll go to the library, get out these books. So, um, two of my kids find out I'm going to the library. So we're off to the library. They decided to come with me. So it's um, me and my 13 year old daughter who just like came out of the womb, incredibly self-aware, confident, mature beyond her years. And then my eight year old daughter, who's just this incredible artist. And she's also incredibly intense and, um, you know, what you would label as like high needs, which in other words, just means she like blows through life like a wrecking ball. And, <laughs> and meanwhile, demands every single ounce of my attention, like at all times. And, and that's just how parenting is, right? Some kids are like easy breezy and some are just so much more, <laughs> so much more demanding in certain ways. Yep. So <laughs> we go to the library. Um, and when we're, when we walk in the door, my 13 year old sees these like blind date books for Valentine's day. It's really cute. They've got these books wrapped up. You can't see them. They got a tag with a couple hints. Um, and, and then there's a sign there that says you get like this free box of chocolates if you check out one of these. So, oh. um, yeah. Right. Free chocolate. You need to come to your library <laughs> books on wine and like potentially boxes of chocolate. I'm coming. Well, I'll circle back to the books on wine in a okay. minute, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because that was a bit more of a challenge, but I'll take the free chocolate and these are all romance novels. So the girls can't get them. It's just for me. So I I can't even like stop and read the label because my eight-year-old is just begging me to take her to the kids section. Uh So I just like grab a random book and follow her. So I'm, as I'm walking her down to the kids section, like, fine, we'll go, but you know, we're going to go get your books now, but remember I'm here to get my books too. So we're going to get your books and then we're going to go look Mm -hmm. for my books and you can guess how that turned out. So (laughs) we go, she gets her books and then we go back to the card catalog so I can look up my books. And of course I'm like just typing into the card catalog wine, hoping like looking over my shoulder, is anyone like looking at this wino mom (laughs) just looking up wine? So I'm looking up wine and it turns out it's very hard, at least in our teeny tiny library to find anything about wine. At least that's not like a digital thing. That's like an actual book. And meanwhile, my eight-year-old is like bouncing up and down next to me, pointing out every single thing she sees, demanding that I look. Now my 13-year-old is there. They're both begging like, mom, we've been here so long doing this. And it's been like two minutes. Right. Um, so I cannot focus enough to look up anything which I was pretty bummed about because that, that was the whole point of the trip. But I'm finally like, fine, let's just go check out the books and go. We'll get my chocolate and go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're wrapping up. You'd think they'd be happy that we're, we're checking out everything. And then this very well-intentioned librarian hands me my little box of chocolates. Well, it's like this beautifully wrapped box, but it's teeny tiny. And my eight-year-old is now perseverating on this, like pleading for me to share this chocolate with her. And I'm just trying to like, wrap this up and get us out of there. I don't even know if this box contains like a large enough piece of chocolate to share with anyone. (laughs) I'm just over the whole experience. Yeah. So at this point, like I didn't yell, I didn't totally lose my temper, but I totally shut down, which is what I do when I'm just in like sensory overload. Cause this kid has been chattering in my ear nonstop since she got home from school four hours ago. (laughs) Um, so, so I, I just am blocking everything out. We're like, just, just get us out of here. Just wrap it up. I'm not even answering my eight year old anymore. Who's still begging. And all is well until the librarian wraps us up and is giving me my books. And then she hands another box of chocolates to my eight year old and goes here, this is just for you. And I oh, like, boy. just about died because I was like, it was so sweet and so well-intentioned. But first yes. of all, but yep, right. My eight-year-old looks like she's about four. So this happens a lot that people think it's appropriate to like just give in to her because she's like a four-year-old. And I'm like, yeah, but she's mm. eight and I'm 
mm-hmm. trying to teach my eight-year-old you can't like beg over and over and over for a bite of chocolate and then be rewarded with an entire box to yourself. Right. Yes. Oh, and then secondly, my 13-year-old who is already ignored in so many ways in our family because she's the easy one and that's what happens, right? In right. a large yes. family with lots of needs. So she's standing there completely ignored with her heart just sort of breaking next to me. Oh, <laughs> and then selfishly, I just also felt really like defensive and judged the more I thought about this because I was like, did the librarian think I was just like a totally cold hearted mom that I wasn't going to share oh. my chocolate? And she and she doesn't know that, like, I also have three more kids at home. So now I'm going to walk right. in the door with this floating kid who got chocolate and the other kids are going to feel like they've missed out. It's such a mess, you know, um, and that's kind of where life is sometimes with that many kids. But but the story's not over yet. So then on our way home, we drove past, I'm coming full circle on the wine thing though, we drove past this little wine bar that's a favorite spot for my husband and I. And so my 13-year-old happens to ask, oh, have you and dad been there lately? And I'm telling her, I'm just like really irritated as I'm answering her. I'm like, well, the last time we were there, it was really busy and it was standing room only. And there's only like (laughs) five tables and this, and of course, what I'm really irritated about is like the whole night that I've just had at the library. But I'm like, there was this one woman who took up a whole table with her purse on it, but she was off talking with another group and never even came over to the table. So it was so goofy, but my 13 year old like listened and totally validated that that sounded frustrating. And then she says like verbatim, she says, thanks for sharing how that felt. Oh my God. I know. So my heart just like melted and, and I was like, I'm doing something right at least because, you know, I'm on sensory overload. I didn't find any information about my new hobby. I felt totally judged and then didn't even have any chocolate because I gave it to my 13 year old. (laughs) Okay, but the story's still not over. I have just a little bit more because, because this is how parenting goes. So we continue on our way home. Um, now, my eight-year-old is just, like, completely oblivious to my, like, bad attitude. And she's mm-hmm. just chat. She's continuing to chatter away. She's in the back seat and just going on and on about how yummy her chocolates are. Oh, my goodness. And we're approaching our neighborhood. And so we live on this very teeny tiny lake and there's a short way around the lake to go home and there's a little bit of a longer way. And by longer way, it takes literally about 90 extra seconds, but it's pretty because we get to see the lights in the lake. So I I tell my eight-year-old and my 13-year-old happens to love going around the lake the long way. So I asked my eight-year-old like, hey, you're so happy with your chocolates. Is it okay if we drive the long way around the lake to get home? And I would so love to say like, yes, this is where this wraps up so beautifully. She was like so happy to let us drive that. But no, she screeches at me like I'm like, have asked if I can cut off her right arm. Right. And, you know, because she just, she's just the kind of kid who cannot handle patience or waiting or anything unexpected. Mm-hmm. So it just wasn't, it's not worth it. So I, I asked, I tried, and then we just took the shorter way home. And that's the end of the story because that's just parenting. Like <laughs> we're home. We're and now yeah. home and you go to bed. Yeah. And we, got, we had a whole saga out of this one, you know, 40 minute trip to the library. Uh, <laughs> and you never some, got the wine books. I never got the wine books. Oh gosh. The whole point of going, but that's like, there's good moments and there's bad moments and there's easy moments and difficult moments and easy kids and difficult kids. And yeah, sometimes you like really do an awesome job. And other times you just, most of the time, we just kind of muddle through all of it. Just in survival mode. Somehow find your way back to that wine bar with your husband. That's what you need to do. Go back there. Yeah. (laughs) With I'm going to, maybe I'll look on Amazon because I bet on Amazon I'll bring back my wine book and I'll look up, look, this is the wine we're tasting. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That is, and those are, it's so funny sometimes in moments where you're like, I didn't actually want to phrase that question that way, but it's come out of my mouth. So now we have to do something to do it. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Oh my, that is so true though. I mean, feeling the highs or highs and the lows can be low. Oh, so low. Yeah. But highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about going, like when you became a new parent and regardless of what your birth kind of journey was, right. Whether it was, uh, you, you had kids, you know, through childbirth yourself, um, fostering adoption, what surrogacy, um, mm-hmm. what are some things that you guys wish you knew before you gave birth to the first one? The first one, I feel like I was talking to my husband about this and I'm like, let me hear your thoughts as well. Cause it's 
you know, like I said, doing some reflecting because you also as a parent do an incredible job of blocking this stuff out. And oh, you're yeah. like, I don't even re- like we obviously got through it and we did things, but I don't remember now the specifics. So he had said, and I thought it was funny. It's like the first one going from zero to one, you know, that's like a jab, you know, it kind of just like a little, like someone like kind of punched you a little bit. It's like a jab going from one to two. That's like the knockout punch. Like you're just like done for <laughs> like awesome Same here. This is, this is good. Um, so, so the zero to one, I wish I had known, or I looking back, this sleep deprivation is real. I mean, to go and sleeping in those like two to three hour increments that even though people tell you, you're going to be tired. It's like a tired, you don't really know until you're having to live it. Yeah. And you don't ever get to catch up. It feels like, no, 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 Unless I mean, you happen whole, to be lucky enough to get a night off here and there, but the whole advice of like up. sleep when the baby sleeps is just not realistic. I mean, you might get a little snooze, but then oh. you've got the laundry and the dishes and, and like just all of the other adulting tasks that so start to pile up. Some more makeup to just cover up, the cover circles. up the dark circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when I'm up births with clients I'm often there for like 24 hours supporting them and they're kind of like there comes a time where they feel really bad about that and I say that it's okay you know I don't mind this is the job I do it but also you know they don't understand why sometimes I'll let their partner go to sleep and take a nap while I stay up and I'm like because you all are going to have a baby to take care of after this and you're not going to sleep again Mm -hmm. I get to go home and nap and sleep and I'm at a stage in life where I do sleep through the night most of the time like yeah. you, you know, it's, it's exhausting, especially if your parenting journey begins with a long labor. Um, and then to go in from that to, you just don't sleep. You don't get any consolidated kind of sleep at all in those early days, weeks, months, years. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Those nights off that you say that you might get here and there, like a tease of like, Oh, remember what it was like? <laughs> You're not going to have that for a very long time. <laughs> Years. But not to say you shouldn't take it. If someone's willing and you feel comfortable, like if you get to a point of someone will help you out and you can sleep or have a night off or something, take the help is also. I um, feel like that's my biggest piece. piece. Yeah. That's like my biggest piece of advice to new parents is like, if someone offers you help, take it. Yeah. And there's so many people who want to come over and hold the baby in those early days. And I know sometimes parents don't love that because- Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I want, I, you know, I want to hold my baby, which I totally understand, but I'm like, but that's still going to happen. You're going to have those family members, the grandparents who want to come hold the baby. So instead of sitting and conversing with them or catering to them, go take a nap when they come over. Yes. That's what they want to yeah. do. Let them hold the baby. You go yep. in the next room and nap. And at least mm-hmm. that way you're getting some kind of your needs met. Yeah. Um, Jasmine, what kind of advice do you have for new moms from like that doula perspective? Well, I think the main piece of advice I have is to, it's so hard to do, but letting go of control, our need to control things. And that starts, yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And I think we live in a world now where we're used to controlling so much and having yeah. so many answers at our fingertips that it, that I see is really um, shocking to new parents, you know, going through pregnancy. You don't know if you're going to have an easy pregnancy or a hard pregnancy. So much of this just comes down to luck. And we're used mm-hmm. to being able to control so many things and, and knowing we have so much research, so much education these days, and it works to our advantage most of the time. But then when you're in a situation like pregnancy and labor and parenting, where there's so much out of our control, it's such a kind of culture shock to our system that we're just not used to, to not having that sense of control that like, well, I know if I do all these things, this should be the result. And that's yeah, not right. how it works with parenting. That's not how it works with kids. You can do all those things. Your kid's still going to do what they're going to do. Yep. They can come yeah. out with a personality. So, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do a lot of your clients have birth plans? Um, we do a birth plan as part of our, as part of our services. Okay. So 
with our agency in particular, we like provide birth education and then I have a template that I send out to them. Um, I always explain to them though, that I think the birth plan, the most important part of it is really them knowing what their options are and their rights yeah. and what they want. And then as their doulas, we need to know that so that, you know, we can speak up for them. So sometimes we, d- they choose not to even share that birth plan at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, but just point by point, as things come up, as their doulas, we remind them like, well, this was what was on your birth plan. You know, if you've changed your mind, great, we can do that. But, you know, this was sort of a direction you were headed. Um, so it's, and it's just sort of an educational tool, if nothing else, that when you see a birth plan and you see those options, it reminds you, oh yeah, I want to go look up what this means or what my options are for that, whether it's an induction or delayed cord cutting or vitamin K shot. There's so many different little little choices that you make during labor. Um, so it's really, I think it's really helpful to have one. And I know, you know, when I had my first 13 years ago, people were more wishy-washy about birth plans. There was a lot more, you know, it was like this thing that like the crunchy home birth moms did. And now there's a lot of hospitals where when we check in, the first thing the nurse asks is, do you have a birth plan? Like they're trained to ask Mm -hmm. for that and to review it with you so that everybody knows what your goals are and can help support that. Yeah. To help feel a little bit of that sense of control in a very much a situation, like you said, you can't control it all. You just can't. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, (laughs) But there still are a lot of a ton of choices that people can make that right. they don't even necessarily realize are choices um, and and options that they can make. You know, we tend to to kind of turn over some of our autonomy when we go to the hospital and we're used to being in more of a, especially in a hospital setting, used to being in more of a life-threatening situation where it's like, I, I'm going to put my life in your hands right now because things could be going wrong and I'm just going right. to trust your judgment medically. But birth's not like that. Most of the time, birth is is a pretty normal event. We're just there in case something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got more options. We don't have to hand over all of the control like you would if, you know, you're laying there bleeding out and you're like, please do yeah. anything to save my life. Right. So, so an example of that would be like eating in labor. Like most hospitals still have a policy, especially in our, you know, Chicagoland area that they don't, they don't quote unquote, allow eating in labor, even though that's not what the evidence points to as best practice. Um, best practices is actually allowing eating in labor. And you you have autonomy, you have a right to eat if you want to. So the hospital has the right to say, we're not going to bring you food because we don't want you to eat. <laughs> but you as the client have the right to say, I brought my own food and I'm going to eat it if I want to. And mm-hmm you can do that and, and nobody's going to take it out of your hands and right. do it with respect. And we do it saying, I understand that this isn't what you recommend, but I'm going to make a different choice here. And that's okay. Interesting. I wish I knew all of this stuff with my pregnancies. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much that we, we don't know until we know. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, um, what about like, what are your guys's favorite baby items or must haves that new parents should maybe like include on their registry or things that you found invaluable? I thought of like a good glider or recliner chair. And I made the mistake with my first where I was like, Oh, I'll just get one that kind of like looks nice, but it really wasn't so comfortable at like 4am. So yeah. I feel like doing your research on a good chair. And then my second one, he grew so much quicker than my first that like my first I could hold because she was a preemie. could hold her with one arm for like a very long time, it felt like. And then my son, he grew what seemed like very fast, obviously quite average. But all of a sudden I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my back is killing me. My arms are killing me. And so we had to invest in a different chair because I just couldn't do it in the middle of the night. So I think that was a key one. We also loved zipper sleepers opposed to the button ones for the middle of the And the ones, the ones that zip up from the bottom too. Yes. So some of them had like two zippers or one, yes, from the bottom up. And I obviously personal preference, because I do know people who prefer some buttons, but the zipper ones were key for those middle of the night. They have magnetic, the yeah, the magnetic I know, I sleepers. Didn't, I couldn't quite get on board with those yet. I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind, but definitely zipper onesies. 
What about you guys? My favorite for all my babies has been the bouncy seat. And like across the board, all the babies have loved that. Um, you know, I can't say the same for most other things like mm-hmm. swings. Some babies love and some babies hate. Yeah. But the bouncy yeah. seat, they all loved. It's cheap. It's easy. I can carry it from room to room. I can put it in the bathroom while I take a shower. Like, you know, I, I can't survive without a bouncy seat to set a baby in once in a while. <laughs> Um, mine was the baby shisher. So it's like a little sound machine. It's portable. I actually found it when I went to do my oldest's newborn pictures, the photographer had it and it literally just shushes. That's all it does. Um, but it like helped a, it's us like a more specific. I know they make like white noise machines, which I love. No, this but, literally but the just shusher is like shushes. Yes. Wow. Like a mom voice um, on repeat. And we, you know, we would, when we go to the lake house, that's like a five hour drive up through the Northern woods of Wisconsin. You just throw that thing on in the back of the car. When we would travel with them, it was like something that wasn't super obnoxious to the other, you know, people on the plane. So the baby shusher is always my like must have. Um, and then the like changing pads that go on the changing pad. I'm like not clearly not describing this very well, but you know, the number of blowouts that babies have, Yeah, um, you're not then having to change the, di- the changing pad cover every time you just swap it out for one of the other. It oh, just looks yeah, so like the liner that goes on yeah. Like the, right. thank you. The liner. Having- we also just put like an extra burp cloth or just, we got like a, just like a pack of like white burp cloth or like the cloth diapers essentially. Yep. Um, that's what we would put down. Cause yeah, I think you had mentioned that too, Sheena, to us, cause you obviously had your first before we did. And that was, yeah. helpful. <laughs> um, and finding a swaddle Jasmine, I'm sure your swaddling skills are like expert level, <laughs> like a magician. Mine were not. I actually, my sister is a pediatrics nurse by background. So I actually had to have her come over and like give me a tutorial on how to swaddle. And I recorded her so that I could like rewatch the video after she left and pause it and whatnot. Um, now they make all of the different kinds of swaddles with like the Velcro and things like that. But I think once you find the swaddle that works for you, that was key. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. I find yeah. the Merlin, we had one baby who loved the Merlin magic suit, magic, Merlin like the baby yeah. suit, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a lifesaver with one of our kiddos who needed more uh, sleep. Yes. We find, used, you have to find what works for you. Yeah. We used um, the nested bean. It's like almost like a weighted sleep sack. It's like a little egg looking thing on it the It has front. a little egg on it that's weighted. Yeah. yeah so that yeah, it feels. We, and like once he started sleeping on his stomach, we actually would flip it around so that it just felt like a hand on his back. Oh, that's um, smart. Yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. I did try a Velcro one. I think it was the Ollie and my sister really liked the Ollie swaddle, but to me, every single time I would like do a changing or feed in the middle of the night to undo the Velcro. I think it like the volume grew exponentially uh, yeah. between the hours of 1130 to 530. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I, I agree. It's pretty much a trial and error of swaddles, but hopefully once you figure one out, it's, it's uh, life-changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about any like favorite advice that you got as a new parent or on the flip side advice you got, but didn't want. Uh, Oh, go ahead, Jasmine. My favorite advice I got was, um, when I had my first and a friend came to visit who had older kids, um, and she's, she said, you know, remember when our grandmas and great grandmas had their babies, you know, if somebody wasn't feeling well or needed extra sleep, they would come like nurse each other's babies and you could get that extra sleep. There was more of a village and a tribe to take care of the babies. And because I was trying to do things as quote unquote natural as I could, I put all this pressure on myself to breastfeed exclusively. And that Mm -hmm. really put it in perspective that like, oh, maybe we weren't meant to do all of this 
quote unquote, naturally on our own. (laughs) So there's a reason Mm. things have evolved and changed. And we do have science and technology to help us these days in ways that we don't have a village there to fill in those needs right now. And that just that perspective shift was huge for me. Yeah. Jenny, what about you? That is really helpful to think about what it was like and now. Um, I mean, the the, the saying it takes a village came from somewhere. It's not just like, you know, a saying that someone just snatched out of thin air. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, going back to the sleep deprivation, if you're, you have a partner and all of this, like manage expectations and, you know, thinking that everybody's doing their best. Um, and then it's never really going to happen that you're going to like snap at one another at some point. Um, but if my husband had said too, when we were talking about this, that if, if you're not, like, I'm going to get this wrong, but he said, if you're not feeling like your partner should be doing more than you, that means like you're doing a good job. He's like something about like, if you're feeling frustrated, that's a good sign. That means you're doing what you need to be doing. Um, like you just, everybody's doing their best in a really unknown situation. Like, even though we were around kids a bunch growing up, like I'm from one of five, I worked at summer camps, babysat, you do all the things. It's so different when it's your own and they say, okay, you're leaving the hospital. Here's your baby. Best of luck. You know, um, how wonderful. And it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of fun work and finding like the, the good in every day, Um, but just being able to talk openly about the difficulties, the hormone changes. Uh, My husband also said, he's like, no one prepared me for you. He's like, no one, no one really told me how moody or how much like I would need. Um, and, and he is wonderful and I'm so grateful for him. But I, I also was surprised at how much I felt like an out of body experience at times. Like, I know this isn't me, but I really can't help what's going on. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I can't even think of, I mean, the usual like sleep when the baby sleeps and things like that. But, um, I think just adjusting what your expectations are, like nothing is always going to be textbook, um, in terms of like raising your kid and there's going to be things that pop up. And I think my new phrase is it is what it is for like, just life in general right now. Like definitely it is what it is. I feel like the older you get and the, for me, the more kids I have, the more I embrace that philosophy. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It is what it is now. Right. So like I said, I have people who go like from zero to one, you have your kin like get a little break here and there. Once you have two and more, um, how have you guys found like managing the kids' schedules? Like if you're needing to put one down for a nap, what do you do with the other one or other ones? Um, and now Jasmine, for all your kids juggling what they need to be doing, what advice or how have you guys been able to manage that? Two kids was really hard for me. I went through some post major postpartum depression after mm-hmm. my second. I think it was just, and I read a book that was really kind of life saving for me um, called Buddhism for Mothers. And, and it sort of had that, like, it is what it is attitude, right? Very Buddhist, very Zen, like just find your Zen in the moment and it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always been this sort of perfectionist type A personality. That was really hard for me. I mean, that took years and years for me to really grasp. So Going to two kids was was really, really hard for me. Um, but one of the things in that book, actually, that I, that I read it and that after my second child was born was um, that there was some study done. I don't remember the details of it, but it said that the year after the second, the birth of your second child for most women is like the unhappiest period or year of their life, um, which resonated. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, resonated huge for me here's my aha Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah. same yeah you guys can't see our faces but as jasmine is telling this she and i are both going oh yeah i think like we're we're not that far off of that year right but i would agree like obviously love my child but it has been an incredibly difficult year that i could have not anticipated happening 
Right. right. Like it's just very validating to hear. So yeah. Right. Isn't it? Because it's like, oh, it's not just you. You're not doing anything right. wrong. Yeah. It's it's just kind of unfortunately how it is for a whole lot of us. I think we're lulled into a false sense of confidence that, oh, we've done this once, you know, we're doing it again now, but it's yeah. it's really hard and it's really hard to watch, even though people get nervous about, you know, will you love your second, you know, as much and you do, but, but what's actually harder is watching your first one, not get a hundred percent of your attention anymore. Right. You, you have plenty of love for the second, but you have plenty of love for both of them, but you only have so many hands and so much attention to go around. Right. So that part um, is incredibly mm-hmm. challenging. Um, I, on that note, I will say that we have discovered in our household, you know, dividing and conquering. So my husband and I don't get to do as many family things as we would like to sometimes because one stays home with some of the kids who want to stay home and the other one. So we don't both go to, for example, my, my son's in wrestling right now. We don't usually both go to his wrestling meets. One of us goes and one of us stays home with the other kids. Right. It's just too much to juggle. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you know, and we also, for a long time, we struggled with how do we take you know, vacations, we can do camping and local things, but how do we travel or, you know, air travel and just the cost of things with this many kids? Right. We finally learned like, oh, well, we could go, you know, one-on-one with some of our kids or what we've started doing is my husband and I go with a couple of the kids. So the grandparents have been generous enough to take some of the other kids. And then he, my husband and I even are getting a little bit more undivided attention with each other. Yeah. And and we're still getting a vacation and then we're getting to like really spoil a couple of the kids. So that's how we've kind of managed some of the, some of that bigger picture stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely day to day. One of, you know, one of the things we do is just not really trying hard not to overschedule ourselves. So our kids are in very minimal activities and even when they are, then it's just like the rule is if they're in any outside activities, it's one activity at a time. We try to really encourage them to do the school-based activities because then it takes place after school. So it's just like one pickup versus dropping them off and then picking them up an hour later and trying to figure out what you do with those awkward 45 minutes in between while you've got four other <laughs> right. kids crying in the car. Um, and, and you know, it's different having five kids in a family than one or two. They have a lot of not built-in playmates necessarily, but built-in um, peers. And so we do a lot of family activities um, on our weekends where we all go out together to go hiking or camping or, um, you know, museum, things like that, so that they're not in a ton of activities, which would really take away from our ability to do those things. Yeah. Um, I think for us, um, obviously it's nice to have additional hands to support. Um, so I'm lucky enough that my mother-in-law comes up for a few days every week to help us out. Um, But for me, I think I find it more challenging when I'm with the two boys by myself, Yeah, mostly because I live in the city and as, as wonderful as living in the city is, and I can walk to everything, it also requires going up and down four flights of stairs with the two. (laughs) Sounds so awful. (laughs) Yeah. How do you do that? So it's usually like, if I can, I'll baby wear the baby, um, and just coax or bribe the toddler to go down the stairs by himself. Um, but it's just a lot of like juggling and bribery and yeah, trying to make sure I've got everything packed in my backpack diaper bag that I can wear while baby wearing. Um, but yeah, that I think is my biggest struggle is just navigating the four flights of stairs, but I've got, you know, parks and walking distance, grocery stores and walking distance. Um, my older son thinks that target is the toy store. So he asks to go to the toy store a lot. Um, but, and we're also, you know, I am the family that will stick my toddler on an iPad for a little bit if I need to, so that I can go put the baby down. Yeah. Oh, no shame in that. You got to get through the day somehow. Judge if you want, I don't really care. Oh, Hey, we did. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm at home. Um, I very often have just the two of them to myself. I'm lucky though. My mom lives close by as do my other siblings. Um, but at the beginning when I, I didn't mind having my son like nap in my arms, like he was a pretty good sleeper. Just like, you got a nap where you nap buddy. Um, and it wasn't until he's a little bit older when we 
put him in his crib that I gave my daughter like jobs and also grateful that she has really good language skills. Um, and so she could understand what she was doing and like how she was being helpful. But again, she, you know, like I also, we started iPad time with her, but the only time she got it was when I was putting my son down for a nap. So she would like be on the iPad in the doorway of his room. And so that was like her special time to have it while having like a snack. Um, but, but yeah, we, we were thinking like, we just did a lot of praising her for doing such a good job, finding ways that she could like fit into the routine of what needed to be done for him. But then also I would have to wake him up from his nap to go get her from school, which I like lived by the rule never wake a sleeping baby with my first one. And the second one, I'm like, okay, like 45 minutes, that's going to have to do buddy. Like I got to go, we got to go. I got to go pick her up. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of kind of using what you did before, but it's like the first time all over again in slightly different ways. So you just do what you can and know that, like I said, everyone's doing their best and, and your kids are going to, going to be all right. Yeah. Um, Jasmine, what about any tips or tricks for managing like multiple kids? I know you talked a little bit about their schedules, but any other advice you would give parents who've got multiples? Um, Well, so our, when we started fostering our very first placement was, let's see, my kids at home were one and three years old at the time. And the first kids we got placed with were three siblings. So we went overnight from, you know, two kids to five kids, five, five and wow. under. Wow. Um, and that was really intense. And the, they got, they happened to be, um, my husband's um, an acupuncturist and self-employed. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, like you have to work a lot of hours, especially when you're young and starting out. So he worked a lot. And so, and we, you know, couldn't take time off because that didn't get paid or anything. So the kids showed up at like three o'clock on a Monday afternoon, right as he was leaving. And they were probably supposed to be there at 10 in the morning or something in foster care world that would never work out. So, so these kids are getting dropped off to me at three o'clock in the afternoon, he's leaving. And, you know, I, I intentionally tried to make it an easy night and ordered pizza and stuff. But then I still, as I'm trying to get the kids to bed, um, you know, I'm deciding like, I'm going to get these kids all washed and we're going to all brush teeth. And I'm not Mm -hmm. realizing like they, they, you know, first of all, this is a whole new world and environment for them. They don't know how to brush their teeth. Everything is new. They don't understand the concept of changing into pajamas. So what I thought we're just kind of, I'm just going to start out with like our normal night routine was like Mm -hmm. all these little steps I had to teach. And I've got five kids, you know, five and under, like they're little kids who still need to be watched. And so at one point I just remember in the middle of all this chaos, like I'm trying to give um, the, the littlest one was two. And then I had my one-year-old. So I'm trying to give them both a bath and he, the, the other little, one of the little guys poops in the tub. So then I'm trying to get the kids out and scoop of out the course. poop. Oh. We've and experienced then, that. And then I'm, I've turned around, like I'm out of the bathroom trying to shepherd this little one and two-year-old who are both nonverbal and get them into their room. And then one of the new little girls goes and clogs the toilet. And so now the toilet is like overflowing. There's like an inch of water on the bathroom floor. And I just, at this point, I I was like so close to breaking down. So I just threw every towel I could find on the floor and shut the door to the bathroom. I was like, okay, we're just going to all go to bed now. Um, but I think what I learned that very first night of that was to like really lower my expectations Mm -hmm. and take things so much more slowly. And I'm still learning that now, like meet the kids where they are and it is not going to kill anybody to go without brushing their teeth, brushing their hair, taking a shower or bath, which we think of as such basic hygiene things that we need to do. But I have one of my kiddos now in my house, just like those are expectations that cannot be met on a daily basis. And we have to pick and choose our battles because for that child, the, the energy they have to expend to do it 
you, I have to think of it in terms like it's a physical disability, right? That, that they have to expend so much energy to be able to complete those tasks that we have to decide. And some days I need that kiddo to be able to do something else because we have to leave the house to go somewhere or do something else. Like, mm-hmm. then we might not be brushing our teeth or even getting dressed that day because I need them to have that energy to do something else, even though it's yeah. more of a mental thing for them. But mm-hmm. I still have to think of it in terms of, you know, what they're able to do. So, so yeah, that has been the biggest thing for me um, as our family grows is just really letting go of so many of, of the expectations. And, mm-hmm. but, but at the same time, and it sounds like I'm going to contradict myself here, but like also having the expectations of what my kids can do and playing up to those strengths. So my kids have really learned how to um, come beside me and learn chores and we do a ton of cooking together so that's a really big one in our family but learning Uh yeah learning how to do that with us so that it's like this huge energy expenditure at the time for me to like sit there and chop the vegetables with the four-year-old instead of just doing it myself but I know that the payoff comes in a year or two that they can do that themselves tonight I was at that wrestling meet with my son my husband wasn't home from work yet so I asked my daughter can you make dinner tonight I sent her the recipe and she made it it was beautiful and wonderful um so we have extra hands helping in those ways the kids who are able to do that so that's been a lifesaver that's that's nice too I I like to hear of like including kids and those things that like you said you could get it done in maybe five ten minutes but it's okay to make it part of the process to then have them be able to learn those skills and that become part of things that they enjoy too hopefully your daughter enjoys cooking right no she like, does so, right. right I the same with mine is like we have a little kitchen stand and so she makes crepes with my husband almost every morning I mean now she can recite the recipe to you oh my gosh but it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's, so it's one of those things where like, it'd be so much easier if I could do it myself, but it's that piece of letting that control go. So you can then have your kids grow in such a kind of a neat and cool way. Yeah. And it checks a lot of boxes because it's them learning and growing life skills. And it's yeah. also quality time together and making memories and bonding. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for just slowing down our overall pace of life. I agree. To that level. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jasmine, so much for joining us tonight. Um, For our listeners, where can people follow you or find you in all of your endeavors? So, um, yeah, the easiest way is probably through the Birth Zone website. So that's zone, like Z, like zebra, um, thebirthzone.com. And most of my social media stuff is on there, but I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. My, I'm trying to figure out TikTok. I feel like such an old lady on there. I don't understand <laughs> TikTok I, or yeah, Twitter. Yeah, don't ask me TikTok or Twitter. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't even bother with Twitter, but but I try the Instagram and the TikTok. And um, the, so those are, you know, just look up the birth zone. Um, same thing, the podcast, any podcast, you know, whatever podcast app platform people are using right now if you just look up the birth zone that one has some like nice tidbits of information about birth that kind of stuff that you wish you knew when you were pregnant um but also has a huge library of five minute meditations they're really geared towards like pregnancy and labor um but they're kind of nice to use anytime they're just i'm like people can't sit down always for a 10 or especially 20 minute meditation, but most of us can take five minutes to just yeah. kind of chill out. So we should, we nice. should take five minutes, right? So we should, I love that that's there. Yeah. So yeah. And then, again. yeah, absolutely. For Reiki, you can find me at familytreeholistichealth.com. Um, that's acupuncture and Reiki and massage in Arlington Heights, Illinois. So you can find me there. Great. Thank you that's so all much. My stuff. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all of the latest, you can follow us on Instagram at underscore and then we had kids. Thanks again, and like we say, life used to be carefree, and then we had kids. <laughs>